Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to freedom, February 7th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. And you click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous stoners. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joining alongside, as always, Case Low. And Case, how are you doing this week? I am hanging in there. Uh, I, I'm doing okay. I, I'm buzzing to do this show. I got to be honest. I really wanted to record, like, Saturday or Sunday. and We waited a few days, and it's not that my excitement or my anticipation for the rest of Ray Day Berryhouse has died down, but... I was buzzing coming off of this Corkin show, and then especially after the February 4th, February 5th house shows and the tournament matches that are up on the Dragon Gate YouTube channel, I, I really, I, you know, I was battling this, and I kind of talked about this in my, my written review over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. I love a lot of pandemic-era Dragon Gate stuff. I mean, there's obviously, there's the unit disbands match between Torimon and R.E.D., which is one of the best matches in company history, 
there's all this great stuff with the young guys. There's all these match the year contenders. I, I maintain other than parts of AEW when they were running Daly's place on a weekly basis, that Drangate was the most consistently entertaining pandemic stricken wrestling promotion that there was. I thought they presented themselves far better than an all Japan or a Noah slightly better than a new Japan. And in the U S you know, as results may vary just depending on what the promotion was, all of the praise that I have given Drangate over the last three years, I meant it was very genuine. It wasn't fishing. It wasn't looking for hope. It was, it was, this stuff was really, really good. And I felt the need to expound on that. But this Cork and Hall show, as the kids would say, as my fellow Gen Z comrades would say, it just hit different. And matches one through seven or eight, however many were on the show, doesn't matter. I am so excited to break down everything. I went back, I rewatched part of this show today because I was so excited to talk about it that I wanted to get some of this footage back in my brain. So I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? you you've had a busy few days. Yeah, it's been a busy few days. It's been like a busy three weeks for me. Uh, I am now back in my hometown, Fort Worth, Texas. I love it. But I was originally going to be back in my hometown last Monday. Little did we know that I was driving right into a snowstorm that I got into Fort Worth case at about 1.30 in the afternoon on Monday the city completely shut down at four. Yeah. Like, and it, in a lot of ways, you know, it was nice because I've been in a long distance relationship for about a year now. My and man. it's something, yeah. And, and, and it's something that, you know, we did not, we found ways to make it work, but now we're at a point where it's like, okay, I'm, I was work for from home before COVID was even a thing. So I, it, I'm well, I found a place for a couple of months looking for a more permanent one and giving it a real shot, seeing, uh, reconnecting with some, uh, work, uh, groups I've worked with in the past. And it's just something that, that was very, it, it was a whole lot like coming in and doing that. So it, it, it was something that I was glad to get done as, Everyone can now hear Pudge because I, I I do not have the ability to kind of have my own office that I once did at this moment. So I, I'm going to be very judicious on the mute button, but sometimes Pudge is going to have to chime in on some things. And I, I apologize for that in advance. But talking about this Dragon Gate show and really everything. I want to talk about your dog real quick because I'm yeah. so excited because when you first got Pudge and I, I notoriously – animal lover would not be an accurate assessment of myself. I'm not an animal guy, period. I don't like being around them at all. The The only animal that I've ever come around on is, is my girlfriend has a dog that I very much enjoy to an embarrassing degree. I put little sweaters on her. I put her little booties on. I take her on walks. We have a very nice time. But when you got this dog, you were so cautious and so protective in all the right ways, doing everything by the book, doing everything you should to care for this dog that it seems like its prior owners might not have cared for this dog in the best way. I am so excited that you now have to battle this during the podcast, and I look forward to you stressing out as we go along throughout this evening. Yeah, this is going to be something as he's currently pacing the living room as we're doing this. It, it, it was something that, like, for those who 
followed the Grace Wrestler Ever project uh, two years ago. Uh, the, there was one episode of that with Alan where I had to go and take pudge breaks. And I was like, guys, I'm so sorry about this, guys. I'm so sorry about it. In the greater scheme of things, I know how minimal that was. But now it's just like, oh, if he starts chiming in in the middle of the sentence, uh, what can I do other than try to eliminate a post? But, you know, he does have some Dragon Gate opinions. Of course. So. I, I think that the episode that you had to take breaks on was probably like the eight hour podcast yes. that you Alan yes. and I did where I was just thinking about that because, you know, my my girlfriend works Saturday mornings. And then normally I spend the night at her place on Friday. I go home to my place Saturday morning and then on her way back, she swings by and comes comes to get me so we can hang out Saturday night. In a few weeks ago, I was doing the Allen podcast, the 34L30 on Susumu Yokosuka, Susumu Mochizuki, Jimmy Susumu, which I, I highly recommend listening if you have not listened to it already. And she asked me, she's like, well, do you need to, do you need me to pick you up when I'm on the way back from work? And I'm like, nah, baby, I'm, I'm doing an Allen podcast today. I'm going to be a while. And she goes, I don't know what that means. And I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> you see every few months, this man from Ireland, Alan Forell and I sit down and we talk and boy, did we talk. I think we did three hours on Susumu, which was a daunting task because you know, the, there are episodes of that show where they're talking about Terry Funk or they're talking about Kenta or they're talking about, uh, you know, all of these wrestlers that, for lack of a better term, I know this is normally a condescending word, but it, it, I'll use it as a positive here. Wrestlers that have a lot of lore and doing an episode solely on Susumu Yokosuka is very intimidating because it's just like, well, here are all of these great matches he's had. And I, it was hard prepping for this, especially listening to the Mike Sempervivi, Terry Funk episode where they just, they had so much to talk about because it's Terry Funk. And this was me going like, well, you can watch this match and you can watch this match and you can watch this match. But it turned into a delightful discussion. We got really sidetracked on the history of PWG at one point and, and where we thought their apex was. So if you have not listened to that, I highly recommend doing so after you listen to this because uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking basically all about Rey de Parejas. Of course, Case mentioned the Cork and Hall show on February 3rd. The first uh, winter's over. Uh, the COVID winter's over. The first full capacity, no rules, just right, Cork and of Dragon Gate in three years. And we'll be talking about, as well, their stops on the tour. They had one on the 4th in Shizuoka. And then Case, they went to the biggest wrestling hotbed in the world, Gifu Japan on February 5th. Yeah, so let's talk about this Cork and show real quick. Let's talk about the attendance. Ended up doing 1,198 fans, two fans shy of, two, of uh, 1,200 for this show. Off the bat, Mike, what are your thoughts on that number? I am very mad that Thursday night I didn't uh, call my shot because I was thinking 1,200. <laughs> <laughs> It just made all the sense in the world to me because you're out of the January where Dragon Gate's always the last major company to run Corican. So, you know, spending money, you, you know, at the end of the month, things get a little bit lighter. Now they were they were towards the front. Uh, Yamadoi coming back, that's always going to be a thing. And, you, you know, other than it being like a tournament show, 1,200 in Corican, given what everyone else is doing in the post uh uh, January lull. I think that that's a massive positive, given how things were typical for Dragon Gate in January and being not very good in Corican. 
Yeah, for reference, the February 2nd Freedoms Cork and Hall show, that did 410 fans, and the February 5th Pro Wrestling Noah Cork and Hall show did 825, and that was with a GHC national title match between El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. and Manabu Soya in the main event, also the Pro Wrestling Noah debut of Daga on that show. The Dragon Gate number, I want to contextualize for just a second. You know, we have banged the drum probably harder than any other outlet that I can think of that, that covers Japanese wrestling on, hey, this industry is depleted. This industry is suffering. There's a reason outside of the fun and the, the meme nature of it that we're seeing the Lek Corporation pop up everywhere. The the wrestling industry in Japan is really hurting. And, and like I said, we've banged that drum bit harder than anybody. So 1,200 fans here, just to put into perspective, because... I don't want the narrative to to shift to, oh, the horror. Oh, you know, Drangit used to sell out Cork and Hall. Only 1,200 fans. What's going on here? I'm going to run down the numbers of 2019 Cork and Hall attendances. I, I'm going to go quick here. I'm going to go month by month just to sort of frame what they were doing right before COVID hit and a realistic sort of timeline of when they could hit these numbers again. January 2019, they do 1615, February 1789, March 1699, April 1825, May 1666, June 1638, July 1770, August 1611, September 1610, October 1603, November 1585, December 4th, 1545, and December 18th. 1615. The point I'm trying to get out there, I know I go, I went quick, but the point I'm getting at is I think you and I both recognize 1800, anywhere in that ballpark in that vicinity as a proper Cork and Hall sellout. And if you look at what they did in 2019, they hit that 1825 number in April, they hit 1700 twice. And then everything after that was a few hundred fans away from what you and I would recognize as a sellout. So from the naked eye with no context as to what's gone on the last three years, I think we could bite our fingers and go, oh my God, 1,200 fans. And by no means is that a number to celebrate, but it's also not the horror that might appear to be just on the surface. Yeah, and it's something that, at least for me, when I look at like how the company has changed over those nearly four years, uh, you've lost your, your ace. Uh, you've lost like your number one star. And that's the thing that I think that people that, that we really need an opportunity to evaluate over COVID was we got a pretty clear idea about the strong hearts fans. We got a good idea about the Shingo fans. It was impossible to measure the Yoshino fans. So it, it, it's something that, I mean, this is a new promotion in a lot of ways. And I feel like that this cork in a lot of ways embodied it. If only because case, I know when I watched the show, the first thing I said to you right after was case, hey, did you notice the difference in the calls for the younger roster members and the older ones? You could see that the generation shift that we've been talking about for the last year and a half has not only just taken, it has blown up when you listen to the reactions to Yoshioka, Kato and others. And that was a huge takeaway for me from this show. Oh, God. I mean, it's one thing. Look, if if the decourage wrestlers, if Daya, Yoshioka and Kakuta aren't your thing from an in-ring perspective, I, I, I will certainly disagree with you, but I'm not going to argue on it because there are plenty of wrestlers in Japan 
big time stars that I quite frankly just I don't I don't get on the the level that other people do, whether it's Kia Mia or at times Miyahara, certainly Tetsuya Naito, Great Okan. I mean, there there are guys that are, are massively popular that I just you know it's I, I shoulder shrug in the same way that people might for the decourage guys, but there's no. There's no argument at this point that Drangate not going full steam ahead with them last year was a poor decision. It, it has been such a breath of fresh air for me from an in-ring perspective, but then also at the box office, it's exactly what they've needed. I do want to back up just a step, just because I'm looking at this card now, and I, I want to know if you remember this. I was going through the 2019 attendances, April 10th, 2019, 1,825 fans, the most attended Corkin of 2019 for Drangate. This was in the midst of the Drangate 20th anniversary series. Do you remember what the main event of that show was? So this was pretty deep in it because I remember the first one was Kondo showing up for Mochizuki's 25th anniversary match. Uh, Then we got the uh, bicycle. That was not when we... That was not when we had the Florida Brothers. The Florida Brothers were not main eventing when they brought them back. No. (sighs) Was this Agoniso? Yes. The the highest attended Corkin Hall of Drangate 2019, Kagatora, Kai, UT, Yamato, and Yosuke Santa Maria versus Shogo Jet Takagi, Shuji Kondo, Takuya Sugawara, Toru Washi, and Brother Yashi. That just blew my mind when I read that. The Awashi haters are in the dirt right now. Oh, God. Tor- Toro Washi's booked on a Dragon Gate show. I can't enjoy it. It's not the company that I once watched that he wrestled in. It's, oh, my God, I don't know what this is. <laughs> but it, it, it it's something that this has always been a company that for newer fans, I mean, everyone's podcast could be their first. Dragon Gate, almost all the fandom, is derived from when they started following the promotion. And that's why I said the tenor was so different that you could tell that it was such it was younger fans cheering for him. Whereas when Toru Washi comes up and Takuya Sugawara, I mean, case those fans have not been around for years. And so some some might argue that the Takuya Sugawara fans never existed to begin with. Hey, you put some respect on the former Fire Festival champion's name. Man. Do I have to? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. By no means am I a, a Takuya Sugawara fan, but I certainly do not hate him the way that you do. It's really, uh, your hatred for him is unbridled. I just look at him with his dumb purple pants and their bell bottoms and his gut, and I just don't need it anymore. He's, he's no longer the handsome prince. Get out of here. Mori's gone. You're gone, too. Let's talk about this Cork and Hall show, February 3rd. I think normally a big show like this, we'd start at the main event and go back, but I, I want to go through this show in order. I really, I, I have a lot to say on just about everything. Yeah, let's do. They opened it up with a opening ceremony, which was very unique because they usually do these kind of things, but they give the microphone like when they started the year, when they had the opening address, it was Yuki Oshioka giving the address, as you would expect. This time they give it to uh, Kaito Nagano, who gave a big soccer promo, which was tremendous. And that when there was there was some missing, there were some people not there. Benkei was doing a festival in Kobe that day and showed up like 10 minutes for bell time, apparently, and was not ready for that. But 
Soon after that, we went right into the opener. This was an unaffiliated versus Zebrats match. It was it was Suji Kondo, Takashi Yoshida, and Eita versus the Open Dream Gate champion Shun Skywalker, Kai, and Diamante. The most brutal knee salt ever was the finish. Shun just straight up did a backflip, landed on his shins right on Takashi Yoshida's rotund belly and just sat there for three seconds uh, to win this match. I thought that this was really fun with a very abrupt, brutal finish, guys. Badass finish. I mean, I, I, I try to be a little bit more of a wordsmith of that normally, but I, I wrote in my review, the only way I could describe this was badass. I mean, this was kind of the, this was the thing that would give the Stone Cold Steve Austin thumbs up. Oh, that's badass, brother. It was just a really, really cool finish. But for as good as Shun was and for as entertaining as Diamante is and for as, as strong as Kai has been, the only name to discuss in this match is the name of Ata and just how ungodly over he was in this building. We talked about the new generation taking over, how they seem to be leading the charge in merchandise. And now that the crowd can cheer again, we hear a ton of uh, calls for, you know, Kato and Kakuta and such. But oh my God, we all kind of forgot how big of a deal Ata still, still is. My exact note for this is, Ata is sickeningly over. Sickening. It's sickening. It's one of those deals where it really hits you in the face here. And I I've spent many years on this podcast complaining about Ata, coming up with ideas for Ata for what he could do differently, this, that, the other thing. I I have been a huge supporter of him fucking around with Peros. Because I, I think that's good for him to exercise that muscle, and especially when it happens outside of Drangate. I, I don't I don't have an issue with it at all. But this was a slap in the face and, and a real come to Jesus moment of this year, you're back, you're firing on all cylinders, you're trying to get people in the building and you're trying to get people to cheer. I don't know I don't know what the situation is between Ata and Drangate. I don't really think there is a situation. I just think it's the schedule that Ata desires and that's what he's choosing to do. But there has to be a baby face unit with Ata in it this year. There just has to be. And I talked about when Shun Skywalker won the Dreamgate belt last month, you know, he's put in a real awkward position because Yuki Yoshioka just ran through all of the biggest names in the promotion. And they just happen to be guys that Shun has history with, especially in the case of Masaki Mochizuki and Ben K that Shun versus Ata Kobe world match. That was November, 2020. It was the, the delayed, much delayed Kobe world show. You know, that did a really respectable number for 2020 Japanese attendance. And it just feels like at some point there, there's two Shun matches that I think are an absolute necessity in this reign. One of which we'll talk about later, but does it just feel like they'd be leaving money on the table not to do Ata versus Shun, even though Ata just challenged for the Dreamgate belt? I think it's something that who knows how long Ata is going to be in this role in the soberness and his position that you should take advantage of it as much as possible, frankly. You know, because you like look at this case and it's just he never got that run that we thought he deserved. He never really got that. And how can you kind of make up for that? Why just let him have another title shot? I mean, it's not going to hurt him long term. You know, I mean, how he, he he's as made of a man as you can be in this promotion. So and, and it's something that you could have the nice fun play of, OK, when Shu won the belt, he was Nico. Now, Ata's kind of tweener, but 
Shun sure as hell is not a Technico anymore. And you don't have to talk. You don't have to like lay down things for me to want to see an Ata title match after the one he had against Yoshioka last year. Case. You, you, you don't need to try to sell me on that. I'm already there. I still think, and, and I say this, you know, certainly it comes out of the fantasy booking part of my brain, but I think there's legit money and a, a realistic possibility of some sort of Eita, Espy uh, Kento, Takuma Fujiwara. You want to throw in UT, sure. You want to turn Diamante face, maybe. But basically, the Lucha Libre equivalent of the Mochizuki Dojo. I, I think is something that that should be explored and kicked around the room at the very least, because I, there's just there's money in H as a baby face. I mean, Jay's come on the show and talked about it before of, you know, if, if, a, if a company needs help selling a T-shirt, what do they do? They have H to take a photo in it. Next day, it sells out. And this, you know, for for all of the weirdness of the last three years with a in particular, you know, he wins the Dreamgate belt August of 2020. Loses it a few months later. Doesn't really feel like he has that reign that he was going to get had there not been a pandemic. Leads R.E.D. in 2021, but there's all this youth coming in. Gets kicked out. R.E.D. turns into Zebrats. And then right when we think there's a possibility of an Eita, Yosuke, Santa Maria babyface unit, he goes and brings Peros into Dragon Gate. And obviously it wasn't, you know, anything that you or I desire. Now, I think the Peros work in Drangate was far better than anywhere else. I mean, there's a legitimate four-star Peros versus Natural Vibes Triangle Gate match, but I digress. But this is the year where it's like, okay, Eita had his fun last year, but for him to fuck around for 12 months in between Drangate and Noah, and then to come onto this show and to have this level of star reaction, now is where we got to buckle down a little bit. We got to be serious we got to have Eita return focus. You know, Masaki Mochizuki spent 2020 and 2021 having his big matches in pro wrestling. No, and he was a real background figure in Drangate. 2022, M3K is for him. Masaki Mochizuki's back in the fold. We're all better off for it. This is the year I want to see that from Eita. And I think, as you were saying, like this idea of like a new generation of millennials is like the best way to do that, you know? Like, like come on. Some people got pulled from something last week, Case. So, yes, it's, I, you know, I was I was going to bring this up on the podcast as a big scoop, but that dastardly Cubs fan, it's like he's, you know, real connected to the Lucha Libre scene or something. He was the one to point out that by all accounts on his end, SB Kento and Takuma Fujiwara were done in Mexico as of January 31st. Their names were on posters for shows in February, but they did not show up. Huh, you know? kind of interesting and we'll we'll see about that i mean there's enough that there's february is kind of a weird month for dragon gate but i think like everyone should kind of keep their eyes open from now on completely and really other than that for this opener it just was a really fun opener it was nice to hear the crowd back it was insane seeing hearing how over Eita was but then we got into match two Jackie Funky Kame versus Kaito Nagano Jackie Kame won with a Jackie knife coming out of we're gonna have a little bit of a talk about Nagano later on in this show but it was neat to see these two guys one guy as you mentioned two months with a cheering crowd and then one guy Dave hasn't even like this was his first cheering crowd like consistently in Corkin, but also i mean he entered training under covid too so th- that's a wild thing as well but uh 
Nakano soccer acts still seems to be pretty over with the uh, crowd and it's, it's carried over to voice crowds, I'd say. Yeah, so like you were saying, and I, I pointed this out in my review, and then you and I had a discussion with Rich Krejci over at Voices of Wrestling about it. You know, the last cheering Cork and Drangate show was February 2020. Jackie Funky Kamei debuted at the end of 2019. You know, he, we've seen a man grow into a core roster member, somebody who fits the heartbeat of this promotion, somebody who had our match of the year last year, what we thought was one of the single greatest performances we've ever seen in a tag match. And he's done it all in front of muted crowds, which is crazy to think about. And then you've got Nagano and and look, I'm into the soccer thing. I, I think it is fun. It is a nice change of pace after the future class of Fujiwara and Ishin. And even if you want to throw in Ricky Hashi there, and that group of guys, you know, all they did was lose for the longest time. They lost and they lost and they lost. Akuma Fujiwara's never won a match in Japan. To have this second iteration of future kids come in, it was Mochizuki Jr. He obviously has success very early on, as in his first match. And then with Kato and Nagano getting wins in the early stages of their career, it's nice. I, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to see Yoshiki Kato straddled with a soccer gimmick. But in the case of Nagano, I, I think this does more good than harm at this point. I think this is fun. I think the theme song is something that the crowd will get into now that they can make noise. And despite issues with the finish, which we can get to in a second, he's still a damn good wrestler. I mean, the gimmick I don't think has taken away from his in-ring at all, and his in-ring is where he's gonna going to make his mark. Yeah, and as I said when he debuted... It's going to be an uphill climb, sadly, because of his size. Luckily, he's in the one promotion that your size is ne never a negative. It's just there is a little bit of a ceiling about that. And much rather see him being a soccer enthusiast than being Binkei Sito. You know, like at the end of the day, like there's routes they could have gone with this. And, you know, for where he's at, I th the, the crowd is biting on the, on the soccer gimmick. Of course, his brother, a J-League player, and this coming off of japan in the world cup like it's just it's one of those things you could tell who, whose mind's behind it and would not be surprised if if nagano given the opportunity is going to be in mexico real soon with ultimo doing that because it makes a whole lot of sense for him like i i, I think this has some i think this still has a good mint a, a good bit of uh runway for him and then you know it, it's not like that they have had issues transferring people away from these kind of gimmicks before. Like, like it's not like that Rio Saito rode a bicycle for 20 years. So <laughs> it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I hadn't even thought about the idea of this gimmick happening in Mexico. That that's a gold mine. He is it. it this gimmick will travel. I think. I think this trip, this gimmick could be big, especially I know that they're kind of capitalizing on the Samurai Blue with his gear a little bit. Samurai Blue case is one of the nicknames for the Japanese men's national team. I, but, I assumed it was some anime bullshit. So thank you for explaining that. Hey, that's what I'm here for. But uh, do, you, do, imagine, you think, do you think the soccer gimmick? OK, let's say, you know, you're you're in the Von Eric territory. You're running world class 2.0, which is just a money mark indie fed. No different than a prestige or a defy. <laughs> Except we're running the stockyards. <laughs> Are, do you think the Nagano gimmick? I'm going to ask you to somebody with a vested interest in Drangate. I think the Nagano gimmick would get over in America. I think you and I can both agree on that. Maybe you don't, but I, I think we're on the same page there. 
Do you yes. think it would do more harm than good for Dragon Gate seeing that gimmick in America? <sighs> that is a very good question because if you look at the people who are getting the dates, it's not necessarily people who are gimmicked up. You know, I bet they were kind of smart about like, okay, Yamato was Yamato's gimmick now when he was doing GCW last year. Not really a gimmick. Uh, Nagano would be a heavy gimmick. But I think if I were running World Class 2.0 in the stockyards, we're running at Billy Bob's. One of the things about this area is that you do have a such a strong lucha base that I don't think that it hurts if I were to run World Class 3.0. But I could see in other places, maybe. But it, it's interesting because you very much it would be the one person going on tour having a a complete character gimmick it's not like la Estrella had a character either no la Estrella's character is he's not mexican but people think he is <laughs> that's yes. what his touring character it's like i said a few weeks ago as fucked up as it sounds la Estrella is the next incarnation of what wwe has been trying to replace Rey mysterio with for 15 years now i I, we can have a Australia discussion at some point. We had a very interesting conversation with somebody over the weekend about La Australia and his future and just mm-hmm. what his goals in America are. I think I, I don't wish NXT on anybody. His best case scenario is NXT. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's best for some people to uh, go strike out on their own. And I think, I, yeah, and, and I just, I, but, yeah, but it's, you know, it's what we come back to. Nagano ate his lunch in Japan. There's no need for La Estrella when Kaito Nagano is his size and doing cooler, crisper moves. It just, that's what it comes down to. I, you know, I, I asked the question about Nagano, e- even though we're a few years removed from the day and the dads and the, the full on meme wrestler explosion of the US indie scene. I mean, it's still there, but it's not like it once was. I just I, I I worry if that would do damage to Drangi, but then there's also the the cynical side of me that says, no, that might unfortunately bring more eyeballs to it than, you know, just a good wrestling match. The one thing I would say is that it's not like he's doing a lot of soccer influenced moves other than him going for the penalty kick. Penalty kick, and then he added the Pele kick to his offense, which w- when I saw him do that, he did this in the in the match against Jackie here at Corican Hall. He does the Pele kick into that super Frankensteiner he's been doing. And when he went for the kick, I was like, oh, brilliant. What, like, not to go full, you know, ringer writer talking about the bloodline storyline, but just like, oh, soccer gimmick does the Pele kick. That's pro wrestling right there. Like, that's such good stuff. And, you know, he has that Spaceman taupe. That's almost yeah. like doing a header. <laughs> yes, yeah. That, I, I think he's handling it really well in terms of owning the gimmick but not being too goofy. I really – I don't have any notes on it right now. I, I like where he's at. I like his progression. The only thing is this is the second time I've seen him botch this flash pin that he's trying to do to end his matches. Jackie Funky Kame was able to counter into the Jackie Knife here, and, and they were able to save themselves a little bit. The other time he messed this up was the first win of his career, that December Kobe Sambo Hall show. So, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have any issues flying through the air. He can do these big, twisting, you know, Hurricane Ranas and Super Frankensteiners and stuff like that. Seeing him mess up this flash pin twice makes me go, okay, something new 
we've we've seen this. It's not going to work. Time for something new. And Drangate, the margin of error is so slim that I'm I'm over him trying this. I want to see him develop something new to finish his matches. Yeah, and it's something, not to get ahead of ourselves, that the Gifu match, I wonder if it's something less this move and maybe the flying and all that. That's He can handle that kind of stuff, but maybe on the mat, slow down a little, maybe. Because I feel like that might be the issue, and I know that's how insane that is, me saying that from a Dragon Gate fan standpoint, but it does kind of feel like sometimes that his mind might be a little bit faster in his body. Completely. And that's, you know, that's going to that's gonna something that the more he wrestles, the older he gets, that'll slow down. But right now, it's clear that that's not there. He has so many weapons at his disposal. He does so many things so well. But that is a glaring omission from, you know, the finished product that will be. Yeah. And again, this is a guy who's less than half a year in his career. And the fact that this is kind of in the greater scheme of things like like nitpicking, like imagine like talking about, okay, case, there's something that's really been bothering me on uh, that, that I see on Twitter a whole lot. One particular wrestler. I don't get why everyone freaks out about Sol Ruka. She's not that good at what she's doing. <laughs> Is this one of the NXT women? Is this the NXT woman who does like the handsprings and, and like oh, all of oh, that? Mike, she's horrible. I, I, okay, like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Case. I felt like I was being gaslit by the internet. No. Okay. So I, this is a name that obviously you'll know. I, I don't know how many of our listeners have interacted with this colorful character that is Andy Labar. I like Andy. Andy and I don't see eye to eye on a ton of wrestling related things, but I. I believe he's the one. I, I will at least attribute this idea to him because I think it's his. NXT might just, it might be the worst promotion ever. I, when I see NXT clips pop up on my feed, I hate them. And I hate whoever, I don't know what <laughs> her name is, but these fucking slow motion cartwheels that she's doing, this lucha day one like she's doing more to harm lucha culture than mike quackenbush ever did and that's saying a lot because this man took a lot of ideas and gave very little credit i hate seeing this woman on my feed because everything she does i think looks like shit and it goes back to the, the, the genesis of what i always say you put a basic Drangate six-man tag match on monday night raw or friday night smackdown or even on some episodes of dynamite it would blow people's brains off. They wouldn't know what to do with themselves if they saw the precision and the quickness and the level of talent that is just baseline. Your average Dragon Gate wrestler, your Yasushi Kanda, if you will, is so much better than anybody that has ever come out of the performance center. And I, I, I don't say that in a territorial way. I'm saying it in just, or it's just a fact. I these performances. Oh my god, these performances and wrestlers. And by the way, I still don't know who the fuck Grayson Wallen is. Uh, Waller. I guess he headlined a show this week. Could not pick him out of the lineup. <laughs> I don't know who this man is. I just see Denise Salcedo going. Oh my god, Grayson Waller, and it drives me nuts. I, there is not a wrestler in NXT not named Roderick Strong who I guess doesn't even wrestle there anymore. I don't know what the deal is is with him. Everyone else there, I hate. It is my least favorite thing, and I watch zero of it. I just see it once a week while we're recording on my feed, and it drives me nuts. It's just one of those things that, like, I I, I haven't recorded anything for two weeks, so I've I've had a lot of thoughts 
build up case. So that that was one of the ones I had. Let's talk about precision. Let's talk about young talent, you know, really showing out next case. Jason Lee versus Yoshiki Kato. Jason Lee won with the Lee Wings. Yoshiki Kato, welcome to the notebook. This was an amazing match. I, I adored this case. Like this is something where this guy who for a while you could tell how like unrefined he is. You get him in the ring of Jason Lee. Jason, who is becoming a body guy, by the way, looks great. Jason just, Lee is ginormous. It rules. It's so good. And then we have that along with uh Kato, who basically gets worked as a jungle gym for 12 minutes. I you know, case this was my favorite non-tournament match on this show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I went three and three quarters on this, and I've talked to a few people now that have gone notebook on it, which I, you know, by all means go crazy. I'm not gonna argue with you there because it was it was so good, and it was a rare instance where we really got to see Jason Lee demonstrate how great, not good, but great of a pro wrestler he is. And it's, you know, it's a recurring theme. I talk about it a lot. I still, you know, I'll, I'll keep saying it until I think he gets the recognition that he deserves. But instead of, you know, him hanging with a Naruki Doi or a Yamato or him and KZ having this great, you know, finishing stretch, whatever it is, to see him in the veterans role here, guiding Kato step by step to far and away the best match of his young career. And it's not like Kato was lost out there. I mean, it takes two to tango and he was right there with Jason, you know, the entire time. But the headlines will feature Yoshiki Kato, but I, I would be doing an injustice here if I didn't mention just how good Jason Lee was as the veteran here. He's the new knockout kid with those elbows he throws. That was, that, that's crazy. So, you know, this match, it, it's this battle of technique versus power. It's, you know, dummy jock wrestler, raw strength Yoshiki Kato and technical master Jason Lee. And Jason works over his arm, you know, from the moment, the the, the moment the bell rings and he gets him in the, the Kimura lock, the Lee's wings, which great job by Jay and Ho-Ho establishing very early on. And it's one of those things that I knew, but I don't, I don't know if even, you know, some frequent Drangi viewers realize that that is a move that is considered a finisher for him is this Kimura lock. He doesn't use it often, but when he does, it's used effectively. He gets it right. in once. Kimura breaks out, uh, you know, powers him into the corner. Does they have this great sequence afterwards? And then second time around, he locks him in, and uh, when Kato goes to escape, Jason Lee just blasts him with these three forearms across the face, these knockout blows. And that was certainly a new sign of Jason Lee. And just it, it just made the match that much better. In the same way that Lee versus, or I'm sorry, that uh, Nagano versus Kame was good but disappointing because of the finish, this was great and made even better because of the finish. Yeah, it's something that this really got a lot of things over. And it shows how tough Kato is. The fact that Kato was going for the modified Bloodfall and the Cobra Clutch Torture Rack on Jason Lee is about... Uh, when we're talking about tier systems in Dragon Gate, he was not getting this move onto people of Jason's tier yet. And then Jason just... I, I keep on thinking about Excalibur whenever he talked about Chris here. It's like his name is Chris here and he throws elbows. This is Jason Lee and he just punches you in the face and then breaks your your arm. It was magical. I adore this so much. This is a match that I will remember for the remainder of the year. That This might be an early vanity match of the year. I think if I were in the Dragon Gate Dojo, 
I would just be force feeding Yoshiki Kato Sua tapes because he's the closest Dragon Gate has had to a Sua since his departure. You know, I remember when, when Madoka Kakuta came into the company, you and I were going, who who is this guy? What's his comp? What's he like? You know, I was able to attach SP Kento to Yamato and and Kamei certainly had, you know, the smaller guys like a Dragon Kid. We were able to find comps there. Kakuta took us a minute before kind of landing on like a Susumu Shingo hybrid. Kato, because he's rough around the edges still, is just, he's so reminiscent to me of like a 2000, 2001 Sua, somebody who is not going to have that 25 minute Dreamgate main event. But what they're going to do is when they have a big match, it is going to feel like a big match. Hey, hey, Sua reappeared. So I, th- th- that is a bridge that has to be mended, but I would adore somehow Sua comes and gives him like the triple F or something. A very like, nice uh, story that, that Sua is back and seemingly somewhat healthy and on Twitter talking to those Drangate guys, because that was for a long time. We kind of had that one earmarked, you know, especially before the Ultimo return. It's mm-hmm. like, OK, well, Ultimo is public enemy number one, but Sua is not far behind him at number two. Yeah, that was something that. That was a more of a philosophical thing, and you don't get over philosophical things as well. But hey, he seems to be doing well, physically doing a lot better than was reported for a long time. And he has a nice little Twitter account. It's it's nice seeing him like out and about smiling, talking about doing his recycling and then chopping up with Don Fuji. He has said he will show up for Don Fuji's retirement. He has said that on the record. I forget the exact verbiage that he used but when Sua announced he was leaving Drangate, he basically gave this statement that was very similar to when Hulk Hogan came into TNA and he called the six-sided ring a playpen. I forget exactly what he said about the Drangate style, but he was just like... Social dance wrestling. Yeah, maybe maybe it was just that, which, you know, obviously we associate with the Magnum Tokyo era, but he was just so fed up with it. And then, he, you know, he ends up in Noah for a little bit. And it was awesome. And then his health declines. And when he came back, he certainly wasn't the same. And then, you know, we didn't see him for probably a decade. And, and now he, he's on Twitter and he seems to be pretty healthy. So good for him. Yeah, it's just such a nice thing to see. Speaking of contemporaries of Sua, we have our first match of the Rey de Parejas uh, tournament 2023. This is a B block match. It is the original tag team, Susumu Mochizuki and Yazushi Kanda versus the Strong Machine Army, Strong Machine J and Strong Machine F. It was Jumbo Nokachi Gatame on F to get the M3K team out ahead first. Two points for them. J and F exited with none. Fun match. Certainly the weakest of the four tournament matches on this show. But a strong outing for Strong Machine J, which I think is the important stuff uh, in, in a match like this. You know, some lower tier roster members at this point in with him. You want to see Strong Machine J shine, and I thought he did just that. Yeah, it, it was just a fun little match. It was great to see F. Uh, uh, did, they didn't really uh, work on F's knee while he has been in cold storage. You know, you'd think they would improve that. It's weird, you know, Karaoke Machine had the same issue in the original Ray Day Parejas, just this bad knee that people were able to hone in on. Yep, uh, hopefully he's able to get through that because he he has a tough tournament climb given the fact that they are now down in the uh, tournament. The next 
tournament match. This was from Block A. This was the Mochizukis, Misaki Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. versus the all-caps Z-Brats team of Hio and Ishin. A disgusting reverse twister on Hio to win the match. The Mochizukis go up two in their block. I, I continue to just be blown away at how well Mochizuki Jr. has been handled. I mean, I, I really could not imagine a better start to his career now with, you know, teasing that he can do it without his dad, but he's just, he's not quite there yet. You know, they win the match, but it's, it's the dad who gets the pinfall with that awesome inverted twister on Hyo. This was everything that it should have been. You know, this had the feeling of a grudge match with Ishin obviously turning his back on M3K a few months ago. It had Hyo just being Hyo in all the best ways possible. And then, it, you know, perfect time to do a tag league right when Junior is starting to really feel himself and you've got Masaki Mochizuki there. That team is is one where obviously they will break up at some point. They will do their own thing. I would really like to see more straight two-on-two Mochizuki Mochizuki tags this year because I think those guys are a ton of fun together. Yeah, that was something that struck me during the YouTube matches, just like how great their teamwork is. And it just... It, of course, like it's father and son, it's tremendous. But man, that bridging seat suplex, one of the but the best bridge I've seen in years and just remarkable stuff and just was an absolute blast of a match. And Hyo just really willing to like land on his to land on his head really bad. And that was really cool to finish this. And I, I, I am so intrigued about the step that happens after M3K is over for Junior because he's getting Junior calls. So it's working. It's just what's going to be next for him. And that it doesn't have to be anytime soon. I hope we do get the Mochizuki's tag for the rest of the year, but it'll be fun to see what happens next for him in 2024. I am of the mindset of you have all the time in the world because it's not like Masaki Mochizuki is going anywhere. So let let this play out, you know, let these guys have a twin gate run this year. I, I think there's, there's a ton to do. There's, there's no reason to rush towards that first father versus son match. Just give this time to marinate, let them team in a twin gate setting, give them another triangle gate run. Let Mochizuki jr. Fail for the brave gate belt and go back to teaming. I, I would be very disappointed if they do that singles match in 2023 i i think there's a full year left of m3k shenanigans before you can get to that point maybe some people are are, are a little sick of m3k now i'm not i love this act even with the de-emphasized sumu even with kanda being there i mean kanda's been super inoffensive and at times quite pleasant in this unit but it's real it's it's built around masaki and and junior and that's the way it should be and i think that's the way it, it should be for the rest of the year I meant to ask you this earlier, Case, but when we talk about a replacement-level Dragon Gate wrestler, is that Yazushi Kanda? Mm. Yes. I, I I can't... I mean, he's he's below average on this roster, but he's an average wrestler everywhere else. Is it... Well, is it... Kanda, is it Kagatora? The thing is that Kagatora peaks so high... When he True. actually gives a shit. Kanda is just kind of consistently fine at this point. Yeah, that's that's okay. There you go. So, so DG War, your zero is Kanda. 
that's actually no your your two would be conda because that means that you are a starter on the roster i guess i don't know i've been out saber metrics for years now if you're doing an expansion draft yasushi kanda will not be one of the players you protect you can scoop him up no no he he's not even getting put on the 40 man before the roll five man no you know yeah absolutely we got into some non-tournament action as it was Gold Class Ben and Minorita teaming with Ultimo Dragon, defeating the unaffiliated team of Ginky Horiguchi, Hoho Lun, and just above San- a replacement level Kakatora. It was a Masakari on Ginky, and Ben did something insane, even for how Ben's been lately. He invited Ultimo to join Gold Class, Ultimo, Demure. Of course, everyone knows, allegedly, incredibly handsome man, Ultimo Dragon. He's never going to unmask, so why can he be in Gold Class? This was phenomenal stuff. I mean, the match was nothing but Ben K proving to be a charisma machine, proving to be a winner. And in a way, I think getting that Ultimo rub here, which we can debate on how much that means, if it means anything, but... A very fun segment that's worth watching. If for some reason you're listening to this, but you don't watch the English commentary, go back and watch this segment with the English commentary. Yeah, it was an absolute scream because also it was Jason in on commentary and Jason just going, yeah, oh, he's doing jackhammer. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's jackhammer, but it's, but Ben calls out the Masakari. Uh, also, after that, we had a talent announcement for Biyuden Zero. This is on April 4th. The Masaki Mochizuki produce shows that I know at least I've been dreaming about coming back for years. They're back. We have Masato Tanaka, Kunishibo Kamen, Hikaru Sato, Ryo uh, Kawamura, Takashi Sasaki, Jun Kasai, and uh, Takuya Sugawara. That's a that's a show. <laughs> I, I mean, Buyuden, it's not who they announce as the outsiders. It's who they put the outsiders with that makes it interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm I, I'm curious about some of those names. I mean, it's it's not Daisuke Sakamoto and Yuji Okabayashi and, and Sawa and all these fun guys that it was a decade ago, but I'm willing to give this a shot. I, I want to see Hikaru Sato versus, oh no, UT won't be back by then. Damn it. Okay. That would be fun. I like where your head's at, though. Hey, uh, and then after that, there was a special delivery in the ring as uh, as GM Mario Saito and Masaki Mozuki were going through the lineups for Boyden. It was actually the uh, someone that we've seen a little bit, Dragon Gate future wrestler Daiki Yanagiuchi, who uh, it came to the ring with a box for uh, Rio Saito. He was dressed up as a staff member of Cork and Hall. And inside the box was a letter asking him to debut. And they agreed to that he's going to debut on March 2nd. But there was a lot of stuff about him that, again, English commentary, Jay got to get into about this. Uh, Yaga Nuch- I'm Daiki. I'm just going to go Daiki. I apologize. I try to pronounce names correctly. Yana Giuchi is going to be one that's going to be difficult. I'm going to refer to him as Daiki. Just apologies. Former Cork and Hall part-time staff employee who did the Dragon Gate protest, failed it, stayed as a staff member, got back in as future, and now he's debuting in the same arena that he worked in. GM Rio Saito told him that his gimmick will be former part-time staff member of Cork and Hall, so get to work. Yeah, 
I, this is a cool story. You know, he's somebody who's automatically going to be beloved in Cork and Hall, which is, a, you know, a great mark for a wrestler to have. I, I think this is a very fun story. I look forward to seeing where this goes. It feels feels very Toriumon, but in a very natural way, which is an interesting dichotomy. I mean, you know, between even some of the vibe stuff and obviously with the Nagano gimmick and, and the Estrella gimmick, which was created, you know, certainly we know by the hands of Ultimo Dragon, this is something that has that 2001, 2002, 2003 feel, but this has a, a more natural tie into it. So I'm very excited to see what this kid can do. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see. Uh, couldn't really, you can't ever really pick up anything from future, but uh, this gimmick will be something. I I wonder how this gimmick plays in Hokkaido. That that that's why I wonder. Yeah, that's that, that. It'll be very interesting to watch him do the loop. Of course, the first time, just because we're inspecting everything that he's going to do. But, you know, six months into his career, when he's been to Fukuoka a few times, he's been to Kobe six times. He's been to Kyoto four times. What is What does this gimmick look like? I think that's going to be really interesting to see. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy, and let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24 seven customer support. And you'll love this. None of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a smart lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car. If I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys and the two way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, absolutely so. Uh, we went to intermission and came back with our next Rey de Prejas match. This was in the B block. It was Doyama reuniting, going up against double dragons here. Dragon Kid and Dragon Daya. Dragon Daya with a split mask. Very nice. Two Galareas from Yamato taking out Daya to win a interesting match case. Is this like one of the best paint by numbers like tribute matches you've seen? I, I can't imagine this match going better than it did. I, I mean, I what a blessing this was. And this was the match that I, I watched twice at this point. I, the, the pacing, the crowd, the intricacy of, of the finishing stretch. Oh my God, this was so good. It wasn't even my match tonight. I like the main event more, but... I just, I can't imagine this match going better, given all the pomp and circumstance of it's the tournament, it's the Yamador reunion, it's a cheering Cork and Hall show. No notes. Perfect. Just perfect for what it should have been. And Jesus, stuff like the Ultra Hurricane Rana that turned into a powerbomb was, was just absolutely, like, crushing. And the thing that was getting me, Case, and, and when I could tell, like, this is really something special was when they were doing the finish rush when they were going like doi fives bakatari like and it was just like wow they're back they're back this is what we remember i was talking to uh a friend of mine tharos who uh has like who is mainly a new japan person but he brought up to me that like i know he brought up an interesting point to me that i, I i'll be interested to hear if other listeners have this for a good portion of people, Doyama is kind of like the nostalgic team that they always portray uh, Susumu Wakanda as, if you will. I, 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 and it's something that I, I think it's kind of fascinating because like this was the legendary tag team that a lot of the world got to see in real time. And I, I wonder if, if that feeling came off that way to others, because I thought that was a real interesting point about this match. Uh, Jeez, it, it, it was something, this was the match that I noticed the pitch difference in the fan calls, by the way. Oh, okay, well, well, two things there. One, you're absolutely right about, for a certain generation, Yamadoi is the nostalgic tag team, and they, they've come back at the perfect time, because think about it from the English-speaking audience. I mean, the most eyeballs that were on Drangate, at least since I've been covering the promotions, which, you know, started in 2015, 
it was 2015 and 2016. And then everything after that has been progressively downhill with some spikes in 2020. And I think some spikes now, I think there's a lot of eyeballs on it, at least more than there have been in say 2018, 2019. Yamadoi for a lot of people is it. I mean, there, there's a real argument that they're the best tag team in the promotion's history. I don't think they have that edge on speed muscle, but they're certainly in the conversation of, of Mount Rushmore tag teams. The thing that surprised, and not surprised me, but the thing that I was so impressed by is you think about the reunion of Kaneska, not in 2010, but in 2015. And then you think about even like, I started thinking about reunion tag teams and just how out of place that Berserk era T-Hawk and Ata tandem felt like right before T-Hawk left the promotion, where it's just like, I know these guys only teamed together four or five, like three or four years ago at that point, but oh, this just, this is not what it once was. Like this reunion tour sucks basically. And Yamato and Doi came out here and just looked like absolute rock stars. They looked fresh. Naruki Doi is such a brilliant wrestler and him working this, this hybrid schedule, this freelance schedule where he's, he's really only working big matches for promotions. And then, you know, a few smaller shows here in DDT. I mean, he, Mike, he's wrestling like a new man. I'm blown away at just how healthy Doi looks and how much he's jumping off the screen. Yeah. It's something where you kind of have to sit down and look and see, and it's like, Oh, we, we were under the impression that this could be it for this guy, but that's really not the case. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see if he's just going like full throttle until that's the end, you know, like that, that that's it. So his and... month of February. So, so real quick. So we're, we're sitting here recording this February 7th. He has on schedule one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches booked for the rest of the month. He's going to be, uh, it's going to be him and Yamato versus the Strong Machines, February 11th in Kyoto. That's a Dragon Gate show. February 18th, DDT in Nagoya. He's defending his DDT Universal belt against Cannon. All Japan, February 19th, Cork and Hall. He's wrestling for the All Japan Junior belt against Atsuki Ayogi. On the February 23rd Dragon Gate show, it's him and Yamato versus Shun and Kai. On the February 25th Dragon Gate show, it's him and Yamato versus Ben and Minorita. On the February 26th Dragon Gate show, it's him and Yamato versus Kanda and Susumu. And then he's going to close out the month in a six-man of him and Kento Miyahara. Uh, I'm sorry, it's him and Minoru Suzuki and Hakuto Omori versus Kento Miyahara, Kotaro Suzuki, and Rising Hayato. This guy's working like 10 matches a month, but he's being put in positions to have 10 great matches in a month. I, I go back to 2020, the odd year that it was, where Doi ended up being... I think my number three wrestler of the year, the SFM 50 that year, he might've been my number one. Like Doi was amazing. And then as soon as he lost that Dreamgate belt, he went into team Boku and he started doing comedy stuff. And he just, he, he, he was so quickly de-emphasized and then he battled injuries. And it was just like, all right, well that was the career of Naruki Doi. We kind of have a start in the finish. 2023 Naruki Doi is a different animal. It's unbelievable how good he looks. And it's an energy difference, too. <laughs> like, to me, like, that's one of the things that gets me. It's like, oh, it's not just that he physically looks better. It's just, like, it feels like he's feeling it. And if, if it's something's like, hey, I'm going freelance. I want to have the matches I have while I can. 
hey, go ahead and do it. I think that that it's worked out and it's provided him more life on and a promotion where it's felt like more and more that he was getting towards the end of the line. So it it's something I've enjoyed. And then to your point on the crowd calls on this match, I, I'm I'm so, so thankful this match had a cheering crowd just for the simple moment. And I, I saw it being passed around on Twitter today, which was nice to see. There's the moment early on, Dragon Die is seated in the corner. Yamato stands over him. I would say 98% of Dragon Gate matches, or at least Yamato matches since 2010, that is a scenario in which the crowd is going to start cheering and chanting for Yamato. And instead, they cheer for Dai. And I'm sure the plan all along was for Yamato and Doi to work a little bit more heelish, for the Dragons to work as the baby faces. But the way Yamato slows down and looks at the crowd and milks this spot, it, it goes to show... I will say when he wants to be, because at times he is a very frustrating wrestler, goes to show when he wants to be just how brilliant Yamato is. And it's a it's an odd pull to have, but it's a match that always stuck with me. 2014 G1 Climax. It's one of the first shows of the tournament. Might be the first show of the tournament. They do Tanahashi versus Hanma. And this is the year that Hanma replaced Ibushi in the tournament. This is the you know this is what made Tomoaki Hanma's career for a, a certain you know generation of fans, myself included, was this run where he loses all of these matches, but he's in them until the very end, and they lock up early on. Tanahashi pushes him against the ropes, and they're not cheering for Tanahashi; they're cheering for Hanma, and it's that that in itself is a great moment. But Tanahashi is smart enough to to feed into that into work heel and this, you know, multi time world champion, the face of the company. He revels in this moment where the crowd gets behind Hanma instead of him. And although dragon die is far more established in the context of, of current dragon gate than Hanma was then in new Japan. It's still, it's this great moment where Yamato just lets this sink in the fact that they are objectively cheering for dragon die louder than he is. And he goes with it, and it's great. And it just gives this match a little bit more spice, a little bit more flavor, so that all of the big moves down the finishing stretch, they were going to hit regardless, but they really, really hit based off just that little moment early in the match. It's something that's been so much fun to see. And, and, and I'm intrigued by this. Did you think that this could be it for the uh, Yamadoi run, in a way? Like, like, are they just going to do this one tournament? Maybe they win and they do the tag mat. They do champion gate and that's it. I, I don't, I don't know what else you do with them because Yamato's made it clear that he doesn't have an interest in being in a unit right now. I mean, I, I would expect them to kind of run this throughout the year, do some Yamato and Doi versus young guy matches, do some Yamato, Doi and Kondo six mans. I, I think that's going to be their year. You know, Yamato, Doi, Kondo six mans when they want to work hard and Yamato, Doi, Ultimo six mans when they don't. I think that's going to be the rest of the year for them. I, I said this in January. I am so excited for Yamato this year because the pressure's off. He can have fun now. He's done his part. And I am so anxious to see what he can do as grumpy veteran Yamato. That's always the best one he is, is when he's grumpy. So it'll be really cool to see. Yeah, I I, I, I am not opposed to maybe a Kondo Doyama Triangle Gate run if they decide to do so. I think they'll challenge at the very least. I don't know if they'll win, but I, I certainly think that will be a challenge this year. No, I'm with that. 
our main event for the Cork and Hall Rey de Parejas show was a block A match. It was the gold class team of BB Hulk and Kota Minora versus the D Courage team of Madoka Kakuda and Yuki Yoshioka. 20 minute time limit draw. What, what, what can be said? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, we, we haven't talked about the show as I kind of I just said about 10,000 words there at once. We haven't talked about the show. What was your star rating for the Yamadoi match? And what was it for this match? So I liked Yamadoi a good bit more. I went four and a half for Yamadoi and I was four flat for the main event. It, 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 it's something where Hulk is fine. And he doesn't detract from these things, but it's Hulk at this point for me. <laughs> and at least like my personal preference at this point, uh, it is not a 20 minute time limit draw for Hulk, even though a lot of this was about Kota Minora. But the Shingo has not worn off of Madoka Kakuda. If only it has grown into something very beautiful to see. You know, covering Drangit is an interesting animal because so often we'll have an idea of where things are going and we think it's going to be this and then this and then this. And before we can get to the third part of the equation, the first part is this curveball that we just don't see coming and it completely throws us for a loop. And it's not what we were expecting, but it's brilliant more often than not. And so we accept it. And that's part of the reason we love this promotion. I am so adamant that the dead or alive main event this year is Shun Skywalker versus Madoka Kakuta. And, and I, I'm a believer in that to a point where if they don't do it there, I am a believer. It is a massive mistake because Skywalker is a you know brilliant heel champion. I don't need to go on my Skywalker thing this week. And Madoka Kakuta, Mike, to me, most over guy on the show. Anybody in contention with him? It's... I, I think it's him by a good margin. Like he was the star of the show. I, he was, he was so good in this match. And the, I mean, he's in there with Yoshioka and with Minora and he came across like the biggest star of them all. You have to do him versus Skywalker dead or alive this year. And if, if this is your first Dragon show, maybe this is your first time listening, maybe you don't remember. The reason I'm so adamant they do it there, May 2021, Kakuta's a year into his wrestling career at this point. They do Shun versus Kakuta for the Dreamgate. At this time, Shun's a babyface, Kakuta's a heel. Youngest Dreamgate match ever, Shun was 25, I think Kakuta was 21. Match ends in 90 seconds. Shun hits a drop toe hold. Kakuta completely destroys his shoulder. They have to end the match. It's this horribly awkward and embarrassing and tragic scene all in one. It's just, it it was so uncomfortable to watch because we were watching this guy's hopes and dreams vanish right before our eyes. And Kakuta was gone for an entire year. And then for the first three months he was back, we weren't sure if he was going to be anything. And then all of a sudden he links up with these D courage guys. It, It has not only turned his career around, he is now hitting heights that I didn't think he was capable of doing. I mean, he's this charisma machine now, really based solely off of his large ass, which is such a nice nice thing to think about, really. You have to run that match. Oh. It's, such a, it's such an opportunity for them, with Shun being this heel, Kakuta being this face, and being this face with all this momentum. They have such an opportunity here to do this rematch 
and to maximize its value. I just I think that has to be the match. And I have no doubt that it'll deliver this time around because I, I mean, Kakuta's just he's on a roll right now. He was so great in this match for as good as Yoshioka was. Minora finally came out of his own shadow. I enjoyed BB Hulk in this match, but uh, something about Kakuta here, especially that finish, you know, he's getting just eaten alive by these BB Hulk kicks right as time expires. And right before Hulk can finish him off, he pops up. He hits the, the hand of God, as we call it, the discus lariat. Jay and Ho-Ho are great on the call. I mean, it really, that lariat seemed like it stunned Jay more than just about anybody else. And before he can make the cover, time expires. Four and a half stars from me. My match the tournament so far. Just a phenomenal job all around. Yeah, it was just... The, the one thing I'll say about Hulk, Hulk made that Lariat case look like the most devastating thing in the world. It was like he had... Like he stepped on an explosive and just like flipped over. Or it was like... It was a Kung Fu movie cell, to be quite honest. And it was insane. But this was a Kakuta performance that was phenomenal. I, I think for me, another reason, and that's not to detract for it, this is still a notebook match. To me, I could tell within the first 10 seconds it was going to be a time limit draw. It just felt that way. And that kind of hurt my enjoyment a little bit. But Kakuta, most over guy on the show, he did like that the Harlem Shuffle sidekick. That was really cool, too that I really enjoyed. Remember when we thought that like the interesting thing about Kakuta was that he was really lanky and a Capoeira player. Yeah. Like, like for the longest time I was so mad that he was not doing Capoeira stuff. No, I just want to see him just use his limbs to crater people. And it's so much fun to see. I mean, if I, if I had to give a very preemptive wrestler of the year discussion, you know, give that some leeway here. Brian Danielson's going to be my number one. And Madoka Kakuta is going to be my number two. I, I just, I think he's been excellent this year. And it's not that he's been in a bunch of great matches. I, I look on my spreadsheet and I've got only this match of his there. Whereas, you know, Shun Skywalker were a month and seven days into the new year. I've got four Shun Skywalker matches at four stars or above. But Kakuta's just on this run right now where I, I fully invest in everything he's doing. I don't think he should win the Dreamgate. But I think he has to challenge for the Dreamgate belt in May. It's something where everything with Kakuda, I don't know if it's necessarily purely from the Shingo match or it's something that you could trace all the way back from to his assistantship with D-Courage. But we're seeing a new guy, and it's something that's very exciting to see. And it's something that, you know, as we've kind of been hammering this point home, not to belabor the point a little bit, case D-Courage they were the main characters of 2022, and we we were kind of banging that drum, but now there is the evidence that they very much now are, and, th- and it's not about Yoshioka anymore, at least for now. It's going to be about Madoka Kakuta because he was the one who came out of this show as the absolute star. Uh, any other big thoughts you had on Corkin before we move on to the YouTube stuff? Well, just, you know, your thought there on D-Courage. I mean, it's the, it's the power of this unit system that they use. You know, you think about Zebrats, it started off with Kai, and then the balance of power shifted to Skywalker, and if they wanted to pull the trigger, they could very easily do that for Diamante. They could do that for SB Kento if he comes back and is still a heel. D-Courage has been picture perfect, and it, it perhaps, by the time it's all said and done, they disband 
and were five years beyond. You know, I, I think at the time when Maximum was a unit, we knew this was really great. But with distance, we go, man, that was like an upper echelon unit. That was especially in 20, uh, 2018, 2019. There were some shows where the only thing worth watching was the Maximum match. Now, D Courage doesn't have that issue, but this is kind of one of those deals. You know, they, they've existed for a year now. And we have to think about how great of a year they've had. For me, last year, Yoshioka and Dai were two of the 10 best wrestlers in the world. Kakuta, I will say, realistically wrestling four months out of the year, you know, four months in D-Courage at least, he slid into the, the back half of my top 50. This is a special unit. It's a special unit of guys. I guess I, the one thing I'll throw out here before we move on, when this tournament ends... Do you see Dragon Kid joining D Courage? Gosh, that would be a perfect fit. That really it, would be. Yeah, it, it's one of those deals. It just it seems too simple to ignore. Like, what else are you gonna do with him? Are you gonna do you know Dragon Kid and Kagator and whoever else? That's I don't. I don't care. I, I think just throw him in D Courage and just continue the fun. Yeah, and he doesn't necessarily eat anyone's lunch there, and he still have a spot maybe for down the line Nagano. So, I I think he's a perfect fourth member there. Now, if that doesn't happen, I'll be a little bit disappointed. Case. Yeah, it's just it, it just it seems like the logical next step. I mean, especially with uh, I I would always say you know if Lost Stray would come back to Japan. I just think for his sake, just throw him in D courage and, and try to have some of that overness rub off on him. But La Estrella has said publicly he doesn't want to return to Japan this year. We know privately he does not want to return to Japan this year. I, I think he's going to be staying put in North America. And so if you're going to add a fourth person to D courage, that person I think has to be Dragon Kid. And if it's not him, don't touch it. Nobody else needs to be involved. But Dragon Kid, can he can come hang out. Yeah, he, 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 he I, I don't know why this is going straight to Twin Peaks like it always does. I'm thinking about uh, when Becky and Twin Peaks were the return, everyone was trashing on James Hurley. And it, no, it wasn't Becky. No, Becky's her daughter. Why am I blanking on her name right now? But the line, uh, the, the line that she said was J- Jimmy, James Hurley, James was always cool. Dragon Kid, Dragon Kid was always cool. It's really. Something about high end just made me put into perspective how amazing Dragon Kid is and how I I think, you know, for a long time, he was alongside Shima, the names that the English speaking fan base went to of the stars of Dragon Gate. And now I think we underrate his popularity. And the next time we have Jay on the show, which will be sometime soon, probably hopefully before a champion gate. Like, I really want to ask just, you know, if we accept that, okay, you know, Daya and Yoshioka and Yamato those are, to my knowledge, the big three. Is Dragon Kid number four? You know, this is a guy who has been there forever. He's always been popular. Minus three months in 2011, he's always been a babyface. He's just he's just incredible. And it's it's a deal now. And I, I, I try to, to bring this point up every so often. You know, it's 25 years of Dragon Kid being incredible. And I think we still look at Drangate as this promotion full of children. And right now it is, but there's also, there's adults there. There's veterans there. And I just think if this was all Japan or New Japan or 
you know, a North American wrestling promotion, somebody who's been great from 1999 until now, and for Dragon Kid, with the exception of injuries here and there, has always been great. That's insane. And that's the point I make about Susumu. It's the point I make about Shima. It's the point I make about Mochizuki. To some degree, it's the point I make about Don Fuji. These guys are 25 years into their career. They're, that longevity like that doesn't exist. I mean, think about, and this, I, I, I apologize that this comes across morbid just given how his life ended, but think about Masawa in 19. 19- 80 to 2000 he wasn't he wasn't right he wasn't wrestling that long masawa didn't have a 25 year career i think he had a 25 year career because he debuted in 84 i think like it's just it's insane the pace that these guys have gone at and are still going at and for somebody like dragon kid will continue to go at and the thing about dragon kid that i always like to bring up whenever we talk about him and his historical legacy there are conservatively just off the top of my head a dozen prominent Joshi who cite Dragon Kid as the reasons they got into pro wrestling. Yeah. And you 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 can't replicate that. I would probably put him if we're talking about our Dragon System Mount Rushmore, uh after uh Shima Mochizuki Yoshino, he's he's the fourth spot. He has to be. Because I, I, like I, I, I have no argument there right now. Because also if you think about a case, I know you are not a nerd, as you famously like to say. Like, but e- but every copy of Fire Pro you get that has any kind of Dragon Gate representation in there, Dragon Kid is there. Even if it's two people, Dragon Kid is always one of them. Yeah, and I think I, that means something. It's an incredible legacy. Again, he's he's one of those guys because he's wrestling in Dragon Gate. He'll never get the credit he deserves. You know. We didn't talk about because the news broke last week. He's going to be the Drangate representative on the All-Star Junior Festival show, or at least as of now is the only one announced. It's not the direction that you or I would have gone. I think you or I would have sided towards youth, but you can't you can't go wrong with Dragon Kid in that spot. And that will probably be one of those deals where I'll get annoyed because Dragon Kid will have a spot on that show that'll get gift and put on Reddit and the the pure uh, the the puro Twitter guy that is boys with Kota Ibushi will go. Oh my God! Look at Dragon Kid still going. All of these people will react to it in the same way that they do Ultimo when he does his comeback spots in Noah. And I'll be annoyed for the day and go. Why are these people listening to my podcast? But it's <laughs> it's you know it, it's the deal with Dragon Kid. He's amazing, and I think people know it, but I think people forget about it. Yeah, no, and j- just to touch on, I guess, kind of like my response about him being announced uh, again. Whenever you have Dragon System people, he is always mentioned. And if you are not going to be highlighting in a prominent role where he's able, where they are able to benefit from it, let Dragon Kid do his thing. Let you know, cook. just let him do it. Let, let, let to do cook. He'll do a Bermuda Triangle. He'll he'll pop a Bible and send everyone home happy. Let him cook. Two notes on that one. I also, and this is pure speculation. I, I want to throw the, you know, the the warning sign out there. Pure speculation, but seemingly a politically neutral candidate from Dragon Gate, given that there's Gleet representation on the show too. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, he is the person I would go with. That you know, yeah. Like, it, it, look, Gleet, Gleet sending Lindemann, which is very safe. They're not sending Kaito Ishida and Dragon Kid. I, you know. 
it wouldn't shock me if one day I open Instagram and he's hanging out with Shima and T-Hawk, and then the next day he's hanging out with Yamato and, and President Kido. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I mean, he he is in character, the most annoying person in the world, but he's annoying. They don't hate him. <laughs> that was, I, I've said this on the show before, but it was really fun last year when Dragon Kid popped up in Noah and Ultimo cut the promo. It's like, no, I don't want to team with you. I can't stand you. You're so annoying. And somebody who I really like, somebody who knows a lot of Japanese wrestling DM me was like, yo, what happened like what how is nobody talking about this story where ultimo hates dragon kid it's like uh oh, you know it's long running storyline uh the other thing i gotta mention i, I mentioned it in my review but i, I want to make sure i get an audio is uh, yamato goes for the galleria on dragon kid counted into a bible later on in the match yamato goes for the galleria on dragon daya counted into the bible small thing i don't want to compare it to a Greek tragedy. I, I don't, I don't want to fill Schneider, uh, you know, this conversation up, but God, did I love that? Just what, what an enjoyable bit of sequencing there. Yeah, it's something I am a sucker for a head scissors out of a situation. And I think that's why I was, a, I get a little frustrated with Nagano's finishing sequence that he goes for. Yes. I think that's a, that's a fair assessment because it's, it's something that seems like it should be really cool, but I, I don't know what it looks like cause he can't do it cleanly. No, I am totally with you on that. So that was Corkin. It was on the third. It'll be up on the network until the 10th case. You put it perfectly in your wrap up here. I did not have as much fun watching Japanese wrestling as I did in a long time while watching the show. It just was, it was cathartic in the way that i think we all were expecting it to be cathartic but not to that level of excellence i felt so good after this show that i i sent match recommendations to a number of pro wrestling pundits which is something that i didn't really do during the pandemic but i you know i said hey watch this this and this and then if you have time you know there are these matches on youtube that are really good what i wanted to say was hey just watch the fucking show because it's so much fun <laughs> just, just watch the fucking show it's good i'm sorry i'm sorry ultimo wrestled for eight minutes you'll get over it it's good it's a good show love this yeah, show yeah. ultimo was eight minutes but then he he did a short stand-up set with ben k it was worth it you know something that was told to us by somebody who lives in japan is that Ultimo match on commentary, they were talking about, you know, how Ben K, not not to sound dramatic, but partially how he's turned his life around and how he's found this purpose. And part of the reason is that Ben K now has a girlfriend. And what a lucky lady she must be. Oh, I have to imagine dating Ben K is uh, is <laughs> what, something. What, what an exhausting thought, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, just I feel like you'd have to just have to have protein just lying around everywhere just first and foremost one of my whole things is i just i try to be as low maintenance as possible and i was i was just talking to my girl but she's like you know you're just you're you you're so you're so easygoing with like decision making and and where you know where we can eat and what we want to do you know you're you're down for almost anything it's genuinely so nice i don't see ben k being low maintenance i see him actually being uh, you the the ceiling for a date with Ben K phenomenal. You could have the best night of your life with him. <laughs> six months with Ben K, just six months. Forget a year, forget a lifetime. Seems excruciating. I I will say this. I imagine hell of a present giver. 
oh my god, the the gold his girlfriend must be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. She she walks into work looking like a run DMC video every day. She's got a big gold chain on. It's a different one every day from Ben K. Yeah, she's gotta be living the good life. I would love to have a different gold chain every day of my week, case. I don't know about you. Hey, brother, you're telling me. <laughs> we had two more shows this week. They February's are slow are, are slow months for Dragon Gate. Uh, they had these three shows, and then they've been off, and they'll be off until the 11th. But they had a stop in Shizuoka and a stop in the wrestling hotbed of the world, Gifu Japan. Uh, let, let's touch on. I only caught the Ray de Parejas matches on these YouTube's case. Did you watch the? Uh, I know there was a Decourage Trios match on Gifu. I didn't catch what the uh, other match was in Shizuoka. Did you? No, the the Shizuoka. It was just the two tournament matches. There was a Gold Class promo, but it, it didn't lead to any matches. Fair enough. So from Shizuoka, we had a Ray de Parejas tag team match. It was the Mochizukis who stood at that point at two points versus Jackie Funky Kamei and Jason Lee, who this was their first match in the tournament, and it went to a time limit draw. So the Mochizukis and their block, they're tied for the lead with three points. JFK moved to one. In case the thing that stuck out to me, Kamei is such a cocky little vet. It was so much fun with Junior to see him just absolutely just take it straight to Junior and, and just bully him around in the opening. I love that so much. That that was part of what was so exciting this week is seeing Kamei, him wrestling Nagano and him wrestling Junior, you realize for as young as Kamei is and for as young as he looks, you know, you kind of taken aback where you realize, oh, he has the veteran hand, you know, he has more experience than these two guys and seeing him take advantage of that was super exciting. I mean, this is a match just off the top here. I, I went notebook on this. Where, where were you at on, on this match? Oh, I was four and a quarter. I adored it. Yeah, I, I was four and a quarter as well. I, I, I loved it. Now I, I saw some conjecture from a few different places of, they don't like that. We're three days into the tournament. And there's been two time limit draws. Where do you stand on that? I think that this is the amount of time on the draws they should allow for the tournament. There should not be any more. Like we're almost getting into Fane Booker, Rosiagawa territory. <laughs> okay, well, I I don't agree with that. Um, I think that I think they have a, a ways to go. If if King of Gate starts doing twenty minute draws every other match, then I think we can have that discussion. But it, the the draws don't bother me. Now I also say that. Because both of the draws have been excellent, and I think if these were three and a quarter star matches, I wouldn't have the same thought I, I, I do. But as long as it's 20 minutes worth of great wrestling, the time limit draws do not bother me. Yeah, and it's something where you got to see these four guys, like, and this one more so than I would say in a couple of the other matches where I felt like, like there was a match in Gifu that we'll touch on that. Not a whole lot of someone in there, but you got to see all the combinations in throughout the 20 minutes. And that's what I think about it. If you're doing a time limit draw, I want to see Mochi versus Jason. I want to see Mochi versus Kamei. I want to see Junior versus those two. And make sure you, you mix it up. And it's something that really got us to see how much fun the Mochizukis are as a tag team. And we got to see that on display for a full 20 minutes. And, you know... If, these kind of time with draws that you're saying, as they're excellent, no issue with whatsoever. Just don't make me have to have a twin minute, another 20 minute BB Hulk draw, please. 
That, that's yes. I think that's where the rubber meets the road here is if we're seeing a lot of extended BB Hulk matches, I would I would be concerned. But look, this is a winning combination here. I mean, Jason and Jackie matched the year for us last year. It's just a phenomenal tag team and everything they do. And the Mochizukis are showing that they're right there with them. So this was a great match. I would love to see a rematch of this down the road for whatever reason it might be. I think this is a match they they should run back. Yeah, no, this is something that, hey, if this ended up being just like a random cork and tag match, this would be the, the crowd would be insane for that. Like I seeing how we saw how cork and light up when they were allowed to run it back there, please. Well, yeah, they, they were doing the decourage openers in cork and at this time last year, because I think there's two different cork and hall shows where Daya and Yoshioka versus Kamei and Yuti open the show. Like that was just a match that we saw a few different times last year. Do it with this. This is a, a worthwhile Cork and Hall opener, especially with that match being on YouTube and the fact that this match could very easily be great with any amount of time. Absolutely. And then the second match we had from Shizuoka was the Double Dragons, who were standing at zero points, versus the first match for Ben Rita, the tag team that's taking the nation. Uh, it was a DD DDT by Daya on Ben Rita to win, whereas we had what I think was some of the most beautiful camera work of all time in this match case. So pretty soon into this match, Minorita is going to run around the the building, but he runs backstage right into Ishin, who beats the holy hell out of him right on right in front of Rio Saito. Yeah, it was on. I, I was checking an email, still very focused on this match, but checking an email for just a second, and I look up, and Ishin, Ishin is backstage assaulting a man and i had to rewind go wait wait i looked down for 10 seconds what what did i miss and i i it turns out i missed a whole hell of a lot this was not great but i i thought certainly a very fun match between two teams that i enjoy yeah and you had dia being a bully which was interesting not very natural for him but I, i i'm intrigued by what a heel uh, Dragon Dio run would be, but I don't think that needs to come anytime soon. That was the only other thing I had for this match. It was fine. It was I was like three and a quarter on it. Yes, I, I probably three and a half for me. I, I think heel Dragon Dio is something I would like to see explored at some point, but just not not in the near future. Yep, no, I'm with you on that. With the win, that brought the double dragons to one and one, two points, and Ben Rita were at zero. The next day, they were in Gifu, and. The, when I say it's Dragon Gate's pro wrestling hotbed case, they build this as three separate people's homecoming show and leaving out the fact that Yuki Oshioka is like from the next town over. Yeah, uh, three different wrestlers here, two big stars and Problem Dragon. It's a nice little market for Dragon Gate. Hey, maybe we can get Gifu in on the loop how we were wanting Nagoya two years ago. Uh, the, uh, one want, of the people the- in the loop now. Yeah, you know, I, I, let's go to Nagoya, let's go to Gifu, let's go to the little town that Daya's from. That's the new loop we're going to work with. I'm going to be uh, watching that February 18th DDT show really, really closely because that's in Nagoya, and that has a big Naruki Doi match on top. It's Doi and, and Cannon for the Universal Belt, and then I think that's, yeah, so that's the semi-main and then the main is Junakiyama versus Akito in a DDT Extreme title match. This is a building that, you know, we talked about it last year, the last time Drangate ran here. Drangate smokes other promotions in Nagoya and in this building specifically. 
And I'm really curious to see if if Doi being on the show, Doi being in a big match, gives them a little bump here or not. Yeah, I, I'll be interested to see. They're running Congress Center, right? Yes. That that would make all the sense in the world. But one of the big local stars from Gifu is is a man who who has won our heart. It is Yoshiki Kato. He, I don't know if it was the mayor of Gifu who was out there giving him something, but before their match, it was the rookie team, uh, Kaito Nagano and Yoshiki Kato versus Minora and Hulk in this first one. It was a, it was a sick uh, double like wrist lock into an engranaje for Minora and Hulk to get to get them uh, another point that puts them at at three in their block. And it is something that I Nagano being beloved, not Nagano, sorry, Kato being beloved the way it was in this match was something I was like, it's such a kind of, it takes you back because case I brought this up to you. uh, They they're having, uh, Kato model things like model merch now like maybe they really think Kato is the babyface star when he looks like he's never slept on the right side of the bed in his life and that's weird yeah. to me guys it's it's one of two things and we don't know which one it is either Kato is the next babyface star and is really catching on in a way that we need to take notice of or he's just modeling extra large size clothing or it could be both. It could it, it could very easily be both. You're absolutely right about that. Because Takashi Yoshida <laughs> could model those shirts, but they're not asking him to do it. Nope, nope. But uh, this was an interesting little tag match. Uh, I was really hoping to get a more uh, Minora and Nagano than we got in it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. It was one where I liked what I was watching, but I didn't love it. I kind of kept on waiting for hit for it to hit the next gear, and it just never did. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, and then the last uh, Rey de Perejas match, it was Kai and Shun in their first match versus the biggest tag team in the world, Ben and Minorita. The greatest SSW ever from Shun to take out Minorita. This was a fun one. Uh, Kai and Shun exit the week at two points in their only match. Ben and Minorita are 0-2, and that's going to be the storyline for them throughout this. Uh, but this was all about beating the living tar out of Minorita in this match. I want notebook on this as well. I thought this match kicked ass. I am so into this Kai and Shun team. I, I wondered privately if it was supposed to be Shun and Diamante, and then Diamante got hurt, and so they took him out of this tournament. I don't know if that happened or not. I'm glad we're getting Kai and Shun. This is a dominant heel team that I think is going to be really fun to watch as this tournament progresses. They obviously, I think the match that everybody should circle is it's going to be a YouTube upload, not a network upload, but the Yamadoi versus Shun Kai match, February 23rd in Aichi. I, I, I have to set my expectation at four stars or higher for that match. That could be really something special just based on how good the first Yamadoi match was and how good this match was as well. Yeah, and it's something where Shunkai, just this great monster team, but you have to have a good person to beat the crap out of to be a monster team. And Minorita, starting off by trying to taunt Shun and that proving to be like the worst decision of his life. And it just was like the Shun finding new and, and uh, 
dangerous ways to squish Minerita. Like, like I know we didn't get Diamante doing the sick like BT bomb to the outside this time, but we did get probably the best anti-air drop kick I've seen in years. Yes, yeah. There's there's just a lot to like here. Uh, the the powerhouse heel team. Then obviously Minerita doing what he does, which is get the shit kicked out of them. I went four and a quarter here as well. I I I think coming away from the Corkin show with two matches at four stars or higher, and then on each of the YouTube uploads, one match at, at four and a quarter each. This tournament has delivered on my expectations already. It's just been so much fun. And I, I just want to throw one more rose at Shun for this finishing stretch. So the finish, uh, Kai hit Ben with a chair. They got the referee distracted. And Minorita is just chewing out the referee and he does not know that right behind him is shun skywalker who immediately picks him up in the ssw spins him around and minorita is screaming he gets planted one two three five stars no notes for that finish that's that's two fantastic like five star level finishes for shun in a week with the knee salt on yoshida and then the ssw here it's just so much fun uh i'm uh case do you have the kyoto card pulled up by chance i can certainly get it if you want to fill 15 seconds so case uh one of my favorite things that i have had since i've been back into texas and we're going to get into this in a second is i'm going to rediscover some food and get to rediscover what i consider one of the best breakfasts in fast food and that is the water burger taquito and I know that you are a big Whataburger fan, and we're going to play a game about this Can we table this for a week where we don't have a bunch of shit to talk about? This this seems yes, like it yes. a boy, we got a Fukuoka doubleheader and no good matches. <laughs> that's, where, that's where we'll do the fast food game, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to do the fast food game there, but... <laughs> I've got the card pulled up if you want me to go through it. <laughs> spicy ketchup, I miss you so much. That's Look, all I'll say. Spicy ketchup. We'll circle back to this in a few weeks. If you haven't, if you don't live in the South and you want spicy ketchup, Whataburger spicy ketchup on Amazon. I'm sure for our European listening audience, you've never had flavor like this before. It'll blow your minds. <laughs> I reckon, I, you know, it's, it's not beans on toast, but it's the next best thing. I recommend it to anybody that hasn't had it much like, I would recommend a few of these matches on this upcoming uh, Drangate show from Kyoto KBS Hall this Saturday. Yeah, uh, th this is uh, the next time they're going to be up on the network. I've got the card pulled up here now, Case. I, I should have let you fill for 10 seconds instead of me. Uh, we have a full gold class versus Zebrats, Shun, Skywalker, Diamante returning, Hio Nishin. Singles match, Ryu Fuda versus Kai. Trios, uh, D Courage versus Ginky, Eita, and Yoshida, Ray de Parejas, uh, Kung Fu Masters versus the Rookie Team, Nosawa Rongai, Dragon Gate Final Special Six Man Tag Team Match, Ultimo Dragon, Dragon Kid, and Nosawa Rongai versus M3K, Susumu Mochizuki, Yazushi Kanda, and Mochizuki Jr. And then the main event. Oh boy, I'm here for this. Yamadoi versus the Strong Machine Army. That's a really interesting main event. And, and there's nothing else on this show that, that could take that spot because Jason and Jackie versus Nagano and Kato just isn't quite at that level. And, you know, the semi-main is dedicated to Nozawa, which people are going to overreact to. But nevertheless, uh, this would be a really interesting main event. I want your prediction here. 
do the strong machines get on the board? Is this one where strong machine J catches, you know, Doi or Yamato on a flash pin or does Yama Doi go up uh 2-0 in this tournament? I think at this point, looking at block B right now, where everyone is at two with the exception of Ben Rita, who are going to lose all the way out and it's going to set up a whole bunch of uh, brave gate matches for Minerita. I think this is not where strong machine army gets the win. I think strong machine army plays spoiler to maybe Shunkai. That's a safe bet because if you, if you go through this, like we would a G one tournament, you look at the final night of block play in Kobe, it's Minora and Hulk versus Hyo and Ishin, which feels like something where Hyo and Ishin would spoil that. It's Yoshioka and Kakuta versus Mochizuki junior and Masaki Mochizuki, which you could go one of two ways. That's an interesting match. And then you've got the Strong Machines versus Shun and Kai, which could very easily take out the Strong Machine, or you could take out Shun and Kai, and Yamadoi versus Susumu and Kanda, which again, that's a match that Yamadoi could lose. That that night on Kobe could just be upset city. Yeah, I, it, it's something where I see B block. I, I think it's going to be Yamadoi doing, being able to get the uh, win there. Oh, wait. Uh. I think we have one more time on that draw, sadly. Now I'm looking at it, because I, I don't think you're going to have Kai take a fall against uh, Yamadoi. Yeah, that's... I, I'm almost bummed that match is happening where it is. That just yeah. it seems like... It seems like that should be the, the match in Kobe and, and do... You know, so, so figure out the B block there. But Yamato and Doi versus Shunin Kai, that, that should be in Kobe at the Art Center and not in Aichi at wherever the fuck. Yeah, it just feels a little weird with that. Uh, but moving back to uh, the Kyoto show, yeah, you kind of have to put... I mean, Doyama should be main eventing every one that they have, every block match they have. But there's just a lot here. Like, we haven't really seen much of Fuda this week, so that'll be good to see... Diamante, of course, coming back, and I I like that Nasawa is getting a farewell. I think that that it's uh, he's someone that he's not fully family, but he's been around the promotion and the people around the promotion for the better part of twenty years. You kind of it, it's worth it to do that for him, you know? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I, I think you're you're taking yourself or your hatred of Nozawa too seriously. If it does, it's a it's a one off retirement match against largely inconsequential wrestlers and unless look if he pile drives mochizuki jr in the middle of the ring and pins him i will come on here next week and i'll be fired up about it but i don't see that happening so i'm gonna live with it if anything i think jr might pin him and and we'll be on our way so i it's doesn't bother me at all i I think this actually this is a pretty fun card i mean minus the decourage six man which is just against nobody i'm into every match on this show yeah, but like I'm intrigued. I I can't wait for Jackie Funky Kamei to beat up Nagano again. <laughs> oh my god! I, and and then you know again you can build on Jason Lee and Kato. They they did such a great job of just setting up callback spots and their cork and match. It, it, that that I man I have unrealistic expectations for how good that match could be. It's not fair to Nagano and Kato because they're so young, but given what they just did. I I have to just I, my expectations are through the roof. Yeah, no, it, it's something that, boy, 
Corkin was fun. Like that's my big takeaway. Boy, Corkin was great. Uh, we, we do have a couple of Dragon Gate in USA things we're going to hit on real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Garden State had both KZ and Big Boss Shimizu in singles matches. That's up on YouTube for free for those who have not seen it. Uh, the Henry and KZ match was good. I like that one a, a good deal. Don't have a whole lot to say about Shimizu and Martyr, to be honest. Yeah, I really like Anthony Henry, and I thought he and KZ, in a building that was lit a bit better, I, I could see myself going four stars or three and three quarters on that. I'd probably go about three and a half on it, but I think it's worth your time. Robert Martyr and Big Boss Shimizu, I thought was fine. I had never seen Martyr wrestle before. I, I thought he was serviceable. I, I thought Shimizu was fine. So, you know, that was not necessarily essential, but I would watch KZ versus Henry if you haven't. KZ does a very good job of wrestling in front of an American crowd. It was his first match in in America, and I thought what he did was pretty strong. I I really enjoyed him there. It was not his first match in America. I didn't want to blow up. uh, I I think it was Alyssa Milano. did, Did he do some, like, Chikara bullshit? Yes, during his excursion, he teamed with Up in Smoke at King of Trios. Huh. Yeah, no, I, I I missed that one, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, you're not missing it. You didn't miss out on too much. Uh, also, coming up for big time, this is a match that I have underlined. Uh, KZ versus Trey Lamar at Black Label Pro coming up on the 18th. Yeah, I will not be going to that despite it being uh, relatively close to me. <laughs> I, I mean, Black Label, yep. But I, just, I, 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 just, I, can't, I can't in good conscience give blp mikey money it's just it goes against my morals not that he's done anything wrong that i know of he's just bad at this job (laughs) nope i i I, i'm with you on that uh case do you have anything else you want to touch on before we got out of here no go watch that cork and hall show for some reason you listen to this and it didn't convince you to watch it that's very weird stop that go watch this cork and hall show absolutely and also check out case's review and case and alan on Pro Wrestling Torch VIP, talking about Susumu, um, Yokosuka, Mochizuki, Jimmy Susumu. You did three hours on him. I, I'm I'm emotionally preparing myself for my 34L30 case. That's yes, going to be... I was tipped off to the wrestler you're going to talk about. I'm very excited for whenever that comes out. It, it, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. We're just going to leave that in the ether, and then when it drops, we, we can say, oh, we talked about it before. You know, I will say before we go... I obviously have written a lot of Drangate Cork and Hall reviews over the year. Kind of a kind of a thing I do every month. I really I don't like anything that I do. I very much like the review that I wrote for this show. So if you listen to this and you haven't given my written review a read, I I I I, I will say it's I think it's worth the read. I, I'm very happy with what I did there. It would go into your clip. Your clip folder case. I, yes, I'll say this. I, I, I'll say it. It's worth checking out. And we'll be back next week talking about this Kyoto show. There's one more. Uh, I, I missed that on where they are touring on the 12th, but they will be on YouTube as well for that show. Oh, it's Okiyama. It's Sachioko Boys Homecoming coming Man, up on the 12th. They, they run Okiyama a lot. I mean, that that tells you that he sells tickets in his hometown. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that show, that'll have Nagano and Kato versus Hyo and Ishin and Dragon Kid and Dragon Daya versus Susumu Mochizuki and Yasushi Kondo on that show. So two fun matches there. 
Yep. And we'll be talking about that next week. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for everyone for, uh, for, for, for sticking with us or rather sticking with me with uh, the move and everything. We're, we're back on a regular schedule. We're, we're probably going to be back to an episode that probably sounds a little better on my end. <laughs> I, I, I'll say, well, Case was very patient with me as I was getting some stuff done during the episode. But that's going to do it. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Case is that underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week talking to you more about Rey de Parejas. Take care, everyone. Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode... I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.